section thirty eight of final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments case studies chapter seven part three risk of harm and non-therapeutic research with children the twenty one case examples during the nineteen forty four nineteen seventy four period there was an explosion of interest in the use of radioisotopes in clinical medicine and medical research including pediatrics the twenty one research projects we review here include only a small number of all those that were likely conducted these twenty one do include however every non-therapeutic study that was funded by the federal government and fell in our original group of eighty-one pediatric radiation experiments the table that appears at the end of the chapter provides information about the number of children involved in each of the experiments the radioisotopes used and the risk estimates for cancer incidents these twenty-one represent a subset of eighty-one studies identified in documents of the atomic energy commission and a review of the medical literature that met the criteria described above all twenty-one projects analyzed in detail involve the administration of radioisotopes to children in order to better understand child physiology or to develop better diagnostic tools for pediatric disease in this respect the studies supported by the federal government do not differ from those reviewed that had other funding sources with the exception of the study at the rentham school to evaluate protective measures for fallout none of the twenty-one experiments reviewed was related to national defense concerns seventeen of the twenty-one experiments involved the use of iodine one thirty one for the evaluation of thyroid function three examples of research reviewed by the committee will help illustrate the nature of the experiments and the risks posed to children in the first example investigators at johns hopkins in nineteen fifty three injected iodine one thirty one into thirty four children from ages two months to fifteen years with hypothyroidism and an unknown number of healthy control children in order to better understand the cause of this disease iodine is normally taken up and used by the thyroid gland for hormone production in this experiment a radiation detector was placed over the thyroid to detect the amount of iodine one thirty one taken up most children with hyperthyroidism have an underdeveloped thyroid gland in which case only very low levels of iodine one thirty one uptake will occur indeed this is what the investigators found in this experiment which was one of the first projects to use iodine one thirty one uptake as a measure of thyroid function in children hypothyroidism is a relatively common condition one per four thousand births that can cause profound mental retardation if untreated today better diagnostic tools for thyroid function including radioimmunoassay and effective thyroid hormone replacement have virtually eliminated hypothyroidism as a cause of mental retardation in the developed world a second example of research reviewed by the committee is an experiment by investigators at the university of minnesota in nineteen fifty one in which four children with nephrotic syndrome were injected with an amino acid labeled with sulfur thirty five along with two controlled children hospitalized for other conditions 
nephrotic syndrome is a serious pediatric condition in which protein is excreted by the kidneys in large quantities there was controversy at the time over whether children with nephrotic syndrome have low blood protein levels solely because of renal losses or whether they also have impaired protein production this experiment looked at the incorporation of the radioisotope labeled amino acid into protein and the results suggested that the protein production in children with nephrotic syndrome is normal a third example of research reviewed by the committee is a study of iodine-125 and iodine-131 uptake by eight healthy children performed at the los alamos laboratory in 1963 the purpose of the study was to evaluate the use of radioisotopes in very small doses nanocurie levels as a measure of thyroid function the study demonstrated that the technique was scientifically valid and exposed the children to smaller radiation doses than earlier methods estimating risk how can the risks posed to children in these types of experiments be estimated the primary risk posed by the administration of radioisotopes is the potential development of cancer years even decades after the exposure as will be discussed further the risk of cancer following external radiation exposure was not well documented until the late nineteen fifties and the early nineteen sixties thus the published reports of research projects prior to that time rarely discuss the issue of long-term risks the principles of risk assessment for radioisotopes are laid out in the basics of radiation science at the end of introduction the atomic century to review the increased risk of cancer is generally assumed to be proportional to the dose of radiation delivered to the various organs of the body this dose depends upon a number of factors including the amount of radioactivity administered its chemical form which determines which organs will be exposed and how long it stays in the body which in turn depends upon the radioactive decay rate and the body's normal excretion rate for that substance for many radioisotopes the overall personal dose can be derived by the effective dose method in which the doses to the ten most sensitive organs are computed and added together weighting the various organs in proportion to their radiosensitivity thus this effective dose can be thought of as producing the same excess risk of cancer all sites combined as if the whole body had received that amount as a uniform dose this risk is then computed by multiplying the effective dose by established risk estimates per unit dose for various ages for this chapter the advisory committee has adopted the effective doses and risk estimates tabulated by the international commission on radiation protection and the national council on radiation protection the lifetime risk estimate used in this chapter is one one thousandth excess cancers per rem of effective dose for children and fetuses exposed to slowly delivered radiation doses like those from radioactive tracers the risks of thyroid cancer following exposure to radioactive iodine generally i-131 represent a special case for three reasons first use of the effective dose method is inappropriate because the dose is much greater to the thyroid than for other organs and the lifetime risk is therefore dominated by the thyroid cancer risk 
therefore risk is best calculated using only the thyroid dose and its associated risk second the thyroid cancer risk varies even more by age than for other cancers third the risk for iodine-131 has not been measured directly but several lines of evidence suggest that it may be substantially lower than that for external radiation for this chapter the advisory committee has adopted estimates provided by three follow-up studies of external irradiation of the thyroid by x-rays or gamma rays in childhood twenty six hundred children who received x-ray treatment for enlarged thymus glands in the first year of life eleven thousand children who were treated by x-rays in israel for ringworm under age ten and japanese atomic bomb survivors under age twenty the risk estimates from these studies were divided by three to convert them to internal iodine one thirty one exposures the estimates from these studies are for cancer incidence for mortality we have divided them by ten since ninety per cent of thyroid cancers are curable the resulting estimates are summarized in table one these are the same estimates used by the massachusetts task force which investigated the fernald and rentham experiments we can use data from the previously described johns hopkins iodine one thirty one study as an example in this study the amount of radioactivity administered was one point seven five microcuries per kilogram body weight equivalent to forty four microcuries in a seven-year-old child weighing twenty five kilograms based on interpolation of the tables in icrp fifty three and assuming a thirteen per cent thyroid uptake this would produce a thyroid dose of one hundred and fifteen rem to a child age seven in this age range five to nine the lifetime risk of developing thyroid cancer would be calculated by multiplying this dose by twenty per million person rems to produce an estimate of two point three cases per one thousand exposed individuals or zero point two three per cent for a particular child the risk of dying of thyroid cancer would be one-tenth of this or zero point zero two three per cent the twenty-one experiments subjected to the committee's detailed risk analysis included approximately eight hundred children eleven of the studies produced estimates of average risk of cancer incidence within the range of one and zero point one per cent eight studies ranged within zero point zero nine and zero point zero one per cent and the remaining two studies produced average risk estimates of zero point zero zero one per cent the maximum potential risk estimate was two point three per cent in a few children aged one to two years at the time of exposure the average risk of cancer incidence for the fernald radio iron and radio calcium studies were zero point zero three per cent and zero point zero zero one per cent respectively and for the rentham fallout iodine one thirty one study zero point one zero per cent all of the highest risk experiments involved iodine-131 and hence the risks of dying of cancer would be about ten times smaller see table two at the end of this chapter for further details based on the average risk estimate for each of the twenty-one experiments we would estimate an excess cancer incidence of one point four cases for the entire group of seven hundred and ninety-two subjects however given the uncertainties built into the risk analysis it is also possible that no excess cases resulted furthermore 
since most of that excess would have been thyroid cancer it is particularly unlikely that any cancer deaths would have been caused finally as thyroid cancer does occur in the general population it would be difficult to attribute these cases to an individual's involvement in research in addition any cases of thyroid cancer among former subjects attributable to their participation in research conducted in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties are likely to have occurred already although there is little long-term follow-up data to know for certain what the ultimate lifetime risk might be table one summary of risk estimates for thyroid cancer from iodine one thirty one exposure at various ages lifetime risk of cancer incidence per million exposed per rem males age zero to four twenty seven five to nine thirteen ten to fourteen six point seven fifteen to nineteen one point nine females age zero to four fifty three five to nine twenty seven ten to fourteen thirteen fifteen to nineteen three point seven both ages zero to four forty five to nine twenty ten to fourteen ten fifteen to nineteen two point eight lifetime risk of cancer mortality per million exposed per rem males ages zero to four two point seven five to nine one point three ten to fourteen zero point seven fifteen to nineteen zero point two females age zero to four five point three five to nine two point seven ten to fourteen one point three fifteen to nineteen zero point four both ages zero to four four point o oh. five to nine two point o oh. ten to fourteen one point o oh. fifteen to nineteen zero point three how do these risk figures compare with what is acceptable in non-therapeutic research today as noted in this chapter the contemporary regulatory standard permits children to be involved in non-therapeutic research if the research poses no more than minimal risk to the subjects minimal risk is defined by analogy only a risk is minimal where the probability and magnitude of harm or discomfort anticipated in the proposed research are not greater in and of themselves as those ordinarily encountered in daily life or during the performance of routine physical or psychological tests the regulations also allow for non-therapeutic research with children that does present more than minimal risk but only if the risk represents a minor increase over minimal risk the procedures involved are commensurate with the general life experiences of subjects and the research is likely to yield knowledge of vital importance about the subject's disorder or condition the regulations do not specify what would count as a minor increase over minimal risk 
with this general guidance it is the obligation of individual institutional review boards irbs to determine whether a non-therapeutic study involving children is acceptable it is likely that a cancer risk of greater than one per one thousand subjects would be considered by most if not all irbs to be unacceptable by a minimal risk standard even for non-fatal cancers it is less clear whether this risk would be considered unacceptable by the minor increase over minimal risk standard assuming the research satisfied the vital importance condition the difficulty of establishing an acceptable level of risk in non-therapeutic radiation research with children is currently being debated in the medical literature a debate that will likely continue at least until federal guidelines become more specific what was known at the time about risk in children assuming that any study that posed risks of greater than one excess case of cancer per one thousand subjects would be judged to be more than minimal risk eleven of the twenty-one research projects reviewed by the committee exposed children to higher risk than is acceptable today for non-therapeutic experiments from a moral perspective a crucial question is whether investigators at the time could or should have known that they were putting their pediatric subjects at greater than minimal risk if they could have known then arguably these investigators were not conforming to the aec's requirement permitting non-therapeutic research in children provided that the radiation dosage level in any tissue is low enough to be considered harmless it is clear that the medical community's understanding of the nature and magnitude of risks posed to children by radiation exposure is not what it is today researchers did not positively associate prior exposure to external radiation with an increased risk of cancer until the mid to late nineteen fifties in nineteen fifty duffy and fitzgerald raised the question as to whether there might be cause to investigate a possible association between therapeutic thymic irradiation during childhood and subsequent development of thyroid or thymic cancers to pose a cause and effect relationship between thymic irradiation and the development of cancer would be quite unjustified on the basis of data at hand when one considers the large number of children who have had irradiation of an enlarged thymus however the potential carcinogenic effects of irradiation are becoming increasingly apparent and such relationships as those of thymic irradiation in early life and the subsequent development of thyroid or thymic tumors might be profitably explored by nineteen fifty nine several studies had reported an association between radiation exposure and the subsequent development of leukemia sanger et al performed an epidemiologic study of several thousand children in nineteen sixty to evaluate the association between radiation exposure and cancer they stated the question of whether or not radiation can be indicted as the principal causative factor in the induction of neoplasia following radiation exposure for either diagnostic or therapeutic purposes has been of increased interest over the past several years in completing their analysis they concluded it remains a fact indisputable in all respects that the rate of thyroid cancers in the irradiated group is disproportionately high in nineteen sixty one 
beach and dolphin prepared a detailed analysis of the literature on the relationship between radiation and thyroid cancer in children they reported the thyroid has always been considered to be an organ comparatively radio-resistant to alteration and subsequent tumor development although no definite development of radiogenic tumor has been reported in adults after therapeutic administration of iodine-131 jelliff and jones nineteen sixty discuss a total of ten cases of thyroid cancer reported in the literature in persons treated early in life by x-ray irradiation in the neck region the total of malignant thyroid tumors which develop in children given a dose of x-radiation to the thyroid that is of the same order of magnitude as the incidence estimated for other tumors if a linear dose response relationship is assumed no biologic significance is attached to this point apart from noting the fact that the child's thyroid appears to be more radiosensitive than the adults but not more sensitive than some adult tissues this lack of appreciation for the potential long-term effects of radiation in children is further reflected in institutional policy development for use of radioisotopes at the time the massachusetts general hospital developed standards for tracer doses of radioisotopes in may nineteen forty nine dr shields warren director of the aec division of biology and medicine assisted in the development of the mgh standard tracer doses in humans will always be kept to the absolute minimum required to make the observation adult humans who are ill and who are expected to benefit from the procedure shall not receive tracer doses of radioactive material giving off radiation in excess of a total of four rep children all patients below fifteen years of age shall not receive more than a total of zero point eight rep in any other cases tracer doses will be limited to radioactive material giving off radiation in an amount less than a total of one rep in the case of iodine the thyroid which retains most of the radioactivity is radioresistant in this case the permitted dosage may be increased by a factor of one hundred despite the cautious tone of this document the policy illustrates the complete lack of understanding of the true radiosensitivity of the thyroid gland especially in the pediatric population further allowances must be made with regard to what was known about the distribution of radioisotopes in children at the time it is evident that investigators using radioisotopes in children were not employing available information on organ weights in children to calculate tissue exposures at least until the mid-1960s when standard man assumptions were used to calculate pediatric exposures before pediatric standards were developed investigators may have significantly and systematically underestimated effective tissue doses in children it is notable that the highest levels of risk posed in the experiments reviewed were to infants administered iodine one thirty one iodine one thirty one was routinely used for diagnostic procedures in the pediatric population until the nineteen eighties when it was replaced by i one twenty three a newly available radioisotope with a significantly shorter half-life which reduced the thyroid dose markedly the rentham fallout study performed in nineteen sixty one employed doses of iodine one thirty one that resulted in an average dose of forty four rad to the gland 
slightly less than the dose that would have been received for a diagnostic thyroid scan during this time although the doses of radioisotopes subsequently declined during these years for both therapeutic medicine and non-therapeutic research these guidelines were not based on long-term outcome studies of exposed individuals but rather on conservative extrapolations from high-dose studies and on the dosages necessary to enable detection with the available equipment the debate over the potential risks of low-dose exposure continues today as epidemiological studies of thyroid cancer incidence subsequent to iodine-131 administration in both the diagnostic as well as therapeutic dose range have been largely negative risks as a result of iodine-131 exposure are still unclear and risk analyses for exposure to radioisotopes are thus based on extrapolations from studies involving external irradiation in summary during the period in which children were exposed to the highest levels of risk from non-therapeutic research involving radioisotopes investigators had a limited understanding of the potential long-term risks of low-dose radiation and of methods to accurately calculate the tissue doses in children today we cautiously assume that any exposure to radiation likely produces some small increase in cancer risk so that no exposure is absolutely harmless instead the concept of minimal or acceptable risk is commonly used as discussed earlier some of the studies during this period involved risks that would be judged as minimal even today whereas others would be clearly viewed as unacceptable today should the investigators then have viewed any of these studies as harmless though an understanding of the association between exposure to external radiation and subsequent development of cancer was emerging during this time a similar association had not been made for exposure to low-dose levels of radioisotopes in addition the relative radiosensitivity of many pediatric tissues including thyroid had not been established and most researchers during this period subscribed to the threshold theory of risk which assumed that sufficiently low doses were probably harmless in the face of such widespread factual ignorance it is difficult to hold these investigators culpable for imposing risks on their subjects that were not appreciated at the time End of section thirty eight